The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. Custom software needs vary significantly, whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Harnessing the technical excellence of Bulgaria, MentorMate provides end-to-end software services in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer world-class care through technology. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening out there in Medical Alley. Welcome to the Medical Alley podcast. I'm so pleased that you chose to uh, join us again for what will be a fantastic discussion, a very good discussion with our friends from the Good Clinic. I'm so pleased to be joined by uh, two executives from the Good Clinic, Brad Case and Kevin Lee Smith. Uh, Brad and Kevin, maybe you would uh, quickly introduce yourself before we jump into the questions. Brad, if you want to start. Sure. So this is Brad Case. I'm president of the Good Clinic. Uh, I've spent most of the last 28 years of my career doing innovation and development at the intersection of the delivery of care, the financing and risk of care, and the, the technology to make that happen. That's fantastic. And then, Kevin, how about you? Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for having us, Frank. Uh, I'm, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm the Chief Nurse Practitioner Officer with the Good Clinic, and I have a background in uh, health informatics. Uh, I'm a family nurse practitioner myself. Uh, my doctorate in nursing practice had a focus on health information technology, uh, health informatics, and uh, quality of care, particularly in the primary care, ambulatory care setting. That's fantastic. Like two great backgrounds for the company already. And that, I think, is something that's pretty special about the organization is that the team that's already been built. Kevin, maybe could you talk a little bit about who else is involved in the company and why did they come together? Why did you all come together to build the Good Clinic now? Thank you for the question, Frank. So it was early 2019. I got together with a couple of former colleagues from Minute Clinic, uh, Dr. James Woodburn, you know him as Woody, and Dr. Rebecca Hafner Fogarty. They were both in um, executive roles at, at Minute Clinic in our uh, rapid growth phase in 2005, 2006. Uh, and it, we were between gigs and, and talking about healthcare innovation and wondering if if we wanted to get back into that space. And we came up with the idea for the Good Clinic based on on really the the fact that there's a shortage of primary care in this country. We thought that it would be really exciting and interesting to get back into innovation, to look at ways that we can improve the experience of primary care for not just patients, but also for providers. And and in this situation, looking at nurse practitioners as as the primary care providers. So as this um, concept matured, we pulled in another former Minute Clinic colleague, uh, Michael Howe, who was the CEO of Minute Clinic during that, that rapid expansion. And we further developed the concept and looked at different options for funding, such as the more traditional venture capital approach. And then we met folks from uh, Metesco, and uh, Metesco is a publicly traded company. The stock ticker is MITI, and developed a relationship with them and and went through uh, a a process of of figuring out how we might work together. And ultimately, we became a fully owned subsidiary of Metesco. 
Oh, it's really a great structure and uh, kind of a unique one for the startup community. I appreciate you sharing that. I'm curious, what is it, Brad, that that makes the good clinic different and kind of this this next evolution or revolution uh, in primary care and in healthcare? Yeah, you know that's a that's a great question, Frank. And and I think uh, as Kevin mentioned, we're certainly in an era of shortage of primary care. Um, and I think one of the one of the exciting parts about this is we know from talking to people in the community and other providers and payers um, that shortage is is being felt pretty acutely, uh, both by patients as consumers as well as others in the healthcare system. We know the value that primary care brings both to the individual relationship with a patient and the overall uh, you know guidance through and uh, stewardship of resources within the healthcare system, so that that this this feeling is that there's there's an acute demand. And I think one of the things that's very interesting for us is if you look at what's happened across the industry over the last you know uh, years, uh, several years, there's been a consolidation um, of independent practices, but there isn't net new capacity. And so in essence, what we're bringing is net new capacity to the market, but we're not just doing it as a, uh, hey, you've seen primary care before. We have a really strong focus on understanding and supporting the patient as a consumer, making, being involved in making their own decisions, thinking about them as a whole person in their demands, not just a, I have an acute need that I need to have solved today, but what is their long-term planning? And we've structured our clinics differently. They don't look like what you would expect as a uh, traditional primary care clinic. We've actually reorganized the, the experience because retail and travel and um, hospitality has taught us as an industry a lot over the last 15 or 20 years that there's much more that we can do to create a satisfying, trustworthy, loyal experience for patients that are in need of everything from small acute to long-term chronic care. It's really quite interesting, the experience side. Uh, for the listeners, I visited one of the clinics and yeah, it, it doesn't feel like or look like any other clinic you've been to in a, in a truly positive way where you just you walk in and you immediately feel much more relaxed and at ease, which I think when if you're dealing with a health issue, right, is probably the first thing you're looking for as a patient. I'm yeah, curious. You know, I think Kevin, just in on, on that, Frank, in terms yeah. of the um the the approach to the the clinic and and the experience and and I'm I'm glad we're talking about that but just backing up for a second you know looking at the original problem identification you know access being one where statistics showing nationally uh, approximately 24 days for a patient to get an appointment with a primary care provider and um and and you know that's you know, other industries, uh, you know, that you, you, you would lose. I get ice cream in two hours from Amazon. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that, that's, um, that's really, really problematic, but in addition to the, the access issue, we, we also felt that there was an opportunity to create a unique patient experience and one to Brad's comments that, that is welcoming that's unique and that's differentiated and is focused on the whole person meeting the patient where they're at. Another problem in primary care that was not lost on us is that primary care is really tough for providers. 
providers are getting burnt out in, in primary care. And there are lots of different reasons for that. Um, the, uh, the number of patients they need to see per day, um, the, uh, the addition of new technology on an ongoing basis, uh, EHRs, EMRs, the electronic records have not necessarily made life easier for primary care providers. So it really has become a burnout proposition for, for many of those of us who like to work in clinics and provide patient care. So we also wanted to create a, an environment that was welcoming and pleasing to the nurse practitioner provider. Yeah, there, there really is an opportunity to, from starting from fresh, to build an experience, a platform, a technology base that, as you said, meets the patients where they are, but also gives that clinician and practitioner experience that that makes the work rewarding, right? I, I think of the, the art of laying on hands and why so many clinicians went into it and that sometimes gets lost in the quest for efficiency and productivity, which is important, but so is having a, a satisfying career and finding joy in the work. And that I mean, I think it's very clear and I would encourage the listeners like go and see one of the clinics you'll get it the minute you walk in. It is built to provide kind of a, a joy in work and a joy in the experience. And it, there's something you guys talk about quite a bit like well care. And so Kevin, maybe could you talk about like, give us the, what is the experience or what is the service offering of the good clinic and how does this idea of holistic and well care play into that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question, Frank. And so, first of all, I want uh, the listeners to understand that we are a full scope primary care practice. So we're here to help patients with whatever basic primary health care needs that they have, from the minor acute illnesses and, and injuries uh, to the management of, of chronic conditions. Overlaying that, our perspective on well care is, is based on trying to create that relationship with the patient, meeting them where they're at, and co-creating a plan of care for the patient on a continuum of care, as opposed to really you know, checking the box that I had my annual physical. It's sitting down with the patient and identifying what their goals are and co-creating a plan for each and every patient to meet those healthcare goals. And part of meeting a patient where they're at is they may have significant goals or they may not know what their goals ought to be. And, and, and so we can have that conversation, but we want to make our clinic accessible, whether it's face-to-face -face visits or through virtual visits, and to have more frequent lightweight touch points focused on their goals, as opposed to, again, having this just, you know, going into a clinic, checking a box that I, I did that this year, and, and now I'm done. If I could tail in on another another part to that or dovetail to that, I, I think part of um, the concept of what we're doing and how we're delivering it also includes where we're delivering it, not just where the patient's at in their own life cycle and where their planning is, but actually where they are physically. So one of the things that, that we've done quite a bit differently is we're focused on creating smaller clinics in more locations around heavily populated areas. So uh, in um, uh, high rise condo buildings and in areas with walking distance, high density. And part of the reason we're doing that is 
Yeah, the industry surveys have shown us that patients are two and a half, they have a preference of two and a half to three times as much to have those clinics close to where they live versus where they work or where they're running errands, which is which has been a little bit more traditional. So when when Kevin's talking about being able to have those high touch points are there when you need us, yeah, we have the operational model where we're expanding the number of hours in the clinic and we're expanding into weekend hours and the the visits are not 10 or 12 or 15 minutes, but they're 30 or 60 or 90 minutes to allow this kind of work to happen. And it's at a location that's convenient for the patient to get to whether it's through technology and telehealth or telephone or whether it's in person, um, our, our availability is a same day, next day um, uh, availability, whether that's for something acute or, hey, you know, we've been planning on something for a while and something's just not feeling right. Can I come in today? Those are the moments where we can actually engage with a patient when it matters most to them. And that's part of the reason that we've combined both the practice approach that Kevin was describing with the actual physical locations and the type of clinic that we're putting together to support that long-term persistent relationship. It's very well said and very important. There is this growing concept in in urban planning of complete streets and complete neighborhoods or the 15-minute neighborhood. And, and I say this as many friends who are in the urban planning field, healthcare is often not part of that discussion. They think of like live, work, play. This is the missing element from it. And you're right on so often where we have to go is where our work is or where there's a uh, commercial complex, which may not be convenient, especially when we talk about hybrid work environments, remote work, things like that. That, that physical location strategy, I'm glad you mentioned that. And maybe that, that leads into or kind of dovetails with this idea of, you know, is there a, a patient mix you're looking at or an ideal client or who are the people that, you know, see the good clinic and go, ah, that's for me? Well, I, I think first and foremost, it's anybody on a waiting list for a primary care visit. <laughs> it's anybody that's waiting in an urgent urgent care room because that was the next best choice. Um, certainly, um, uh, there are a lot of people that have bring a lot of different desires and demands to the way they want healthcare that we're responding to. And, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about the whole person. We also do a lot of work on understanding a patient's level of, of activation um, and how much uh, they, they know of themselves and are, are where they are in their progress towards self-management which means that when we're engaging with the care, we could be engaging with an individual who's newly diagnosed chronic condition, really doesn't understand a whole lot about it. And it doesn't do us any good to create a, a care plan that has, here's the list of 123 things you do. Why don't you take the next month and do the first 11? Because if they don't understand what that is, or that's not where their priorities or not what motivates them, then it's going to be really hard to keep that persistent engagement. So a lot of this has to do with, it's it's hard to say, do we have an ideal patient? The ideal patient is the patient that needs us. And we know that that's out there. And so whether that's somebody coming in for something that's short-term and acute, or I'm healthy and I just don't have a primary care provider provider, but I'm starting to think about, you know, um, you know, I'll talk about myself. I'm into my forties now and I need, need to start thinking about what my health is going to look like five or eight or 10 years from now. And I need to start making some decisions and, and changing my behavior today or somebody who's young and healthy and just says, Hey, look, I'm really interested in understanding the impacts of sleep and nutrition on my overall health. It doesn't really segment by, for us, by payer mix, by um, demographic, by uh, level of education. It's really about who do they need, what do they need of us, and how do we understand and assess their motivations and activations so that we can, um, you know, work with them uh, to meet their goals. And I think I'd add to that, you know, in 
primary care, you know, as primary care providers, our, our focus, you know, in general, whether it's the good clinic or not, is, is going to be on whole person care. What we're trying to do is in a, in a very systematic way, approach that so that we are addressing those components that relate to whole person care and, and do that consistently with every patient. So that relates to, I mean, Brad's comment on sleep, behavioral health. Um, you know, we talk about physical activity, um, you know, exercise, nutrition, those kinds of things. That's part of it as well. But sleep issues, behavioral health, those have a major impact on our overall health. What is their dental health? You know, we, we ask all of these questions about their whole person. And, and again, getting back to that, that plan of care that is over time and, and you work with the patient in partnership. Uh, and, and so, you know, who's the ideal patient? Uh, certainly unaffiliated uh, patients who don't have a primary care provider. Something that just uh, occurred to me today in another conversation um, we were having about the good clinic with some, some visitors earlier today is that we have a lot of patients who come here because their friend came here or their significant other came here. And for these young, otherwise healthy patient, their other choice may have been to do nothing. It's really, that's a really great point. Uh, healthcare is sometimes a business or not a business. We think about the customer con- conversation and how that influences the decision making and the, the model that you guys have set up because that experience is there, right? It, it's the kind of thing people would talk about in a positive sense. And I really take the point of that that holistic care and Brad, what you said of you know finding where the person is on their journey and not trying to shoehorn it into a model. Um, population health is so important; it's a great thing, but every individual responds in an individual fashion, and it sounds like you guys are finding that right balance of treating individuals as individuals and caring for them while bringing the tools and the techniques and the technologies that allow for scale and efficiency and not simply saying it's one or the other. And I'm curious, Brad, you talked a little bit about the the places you've been in. Where is the good clinic right now? And how are you guys thinking about expansion? Yeah, so that's fantastic. So we uh, opened our first clinic earlier this year in Northeast. Um, uh, it's right near the corner of, of uh, First and University uh, in, a, in a building called Nordhaus. Um, and so that was the first location. We have two locations currently under construction, one in Eden Prairie, one in St. Louis Park. Um, and our current uh, uh, plans are to have uh, an additional seven clinics, so 10 total open by the end of this year. Um, we will have, uh, uh, the plan is to have between seven and eight here in the Twin Cities. Um, and then we're on track to open our first two clinics in uh, the Denver area by the end of this year as well. And then um, additionally from that, the long-term plan is to additional two, uh, enter an additional two markets in 2022, and we're on a build track to build 50 clinics uh, across the country uh, in the next three years. And wow. part of the reason that this is possible um, is because we are a wholly owned subsidiary of Metesco. But they have allowed us, they give us access uh, to scalability that we, we that you don't traditionally have in the startup world, right? 
So it gives us the ability to take advantage of the partnerships and the interest that we're getting. And we've talked a lot about the consumer interest. I think it's also important to, to acknowledge that we have um, uh, community partners, uh, businesses, payers that are all expressing a great deal of interest in what we're doing. I think we mentioned at the at the top of the podcast about uh, we're creating net new capacity, and that's really important to them. And whether that's just a payer that needs more capacity in their network, more often we're having conversations about we don't need just net capacity. We need somebody who's actually speaking to and uh, uh, and engaging with our patients in a way that we know has that long-term value. You know, on the economic scale, we talk a lot about the fact that for every dollar you spend in primary care, you save about twelve to thirteen dollars downstream. And so that's that's a motivator from the financial perspective, but there's also the recognition that you can't just open a clinic and expect to be able to have those impacts. You have to be able to develop the types of relationships that Kevin and I have been talking about. So, you know, Metesco does a lot to be able to give us the, the, the avenue to be able to approach this expansion in a systematic way to understand where's the best place for us to be know who our partners are, be they providers or employers or, or community organizations, so that we're able to put, uh, you know, basically create the, the, the solution to the demand that we see in the locations that, that we know exist. I mean, that's really getting at healthcare transformation when you can build a business that is good business, good patient care. And I would have to imagine creating that net new capacity. You're also creating the capacity for other parts of the healthcare system to adapt and to change. That's just a good thing. And that that might be a good spot to wrap up the interview and say, Brad, Kevin, thank you so much. That was a fantastic discussion. Thanks for having us, Frank. Pleasure. Thank you, Frank. And to all the listeners out there, uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Medical Alley podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, or check out medicalalleypodcast.org. Have a great day.